Today on Locked On Canadians, why we're not worried about the Habs winning games. We've got a special preview excerpt of our brand new podcast on the network, Locked On NHL Prospects. And then we're going to take a look at Toronto and we're going to try really, really, really hard not to invite bad karma upon ourselves. And that's all coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 717 of Locked On Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day, every day, or your first watch of the day on YouTube. Either way, we truly appreciate it. We are filled with love for our listeners right now. Uh, my name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott has patiently waited for me to get it together uh, so we could start this podcast because I keep rambling. And Scott, how are you today on this fine, beautiful Monday evening? I, I'm doing all right. Uh, we are the day before. We would be previewing the Habs game against the Wild, but not much has changed from the previous week, so you're stuck with where we're at now. Uh, I'm all right, though. Busy Monday, uh, cleaning up after Bills Mafia and Packers fans basically bought every ounce of beer I had available in the store so if I seem a little tired or behind it, it's uh, I had a very, 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 very long day uh, with that. Uh, I'm I'm good though. I I'm excited to see what this week holds. It's uh it's another new test for the Canadians to see what they learned from their first game against the Wild, and maybe can they continue the two game winning streak, turn it into three or four, and really make some noise in the Atlantic Division? Uh, that remains to be seen. Despite uh. Some people may be not loving the idea of the Canadians winning this many games this early in the season. And so we wanted to talk about that. We did touch on it briefly in our last episode, but we wanted to spend a little bit more time on it uh, on today's episode, because obviously we're between games uh, and some people are expressing doubts as to whether or not winning is the best thing for the Montreal Canadiens right now, because you want that high draft pick. You're in uh, year one of a rebuild and you want to stock up on as many good prospects as you possibly can. I don't think that it's going to be in the long run too big of a problem because the Canadians are off to a hot start. But then you look at, you know, teams like the Avalanche, Stanley Cup winners Avalanche. You look at Tampa Bay, you look at Toronto, supposed to be, you know, widely the number one team this year or like this is their year or blah, blah, blah. And we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that in our third segment. You look at all those teams and they're sputtering out of the gate. Their, their start is not good. It's fits and spurts. And very often it's disappointment. They're all uh, below 500 at the moment, while the Montreal Canadians inexplicably are above. So I wanted to look a little bit and, and I, I kind of see both sides of this, but I do think that it's fine for them to be winning. Like I said, in the long run, the results are going to even out. They're going to get a top 10 pick. 
it's unlikely that they're going to get anything lower than that. And they could even potentially get a top five pick. I'm not ready to count that out just yet. Yes, Connor Bedard is, you know, phenomenal. But what are the chances that they're going to win first overall two years in a row? I don't think that's going to happen. But at the same time, let's look at the message in these wins. Let's look at the way that they're accomplishing these wins. And to me, that is the answer right there. Uh, I think it was Jared Book, uh, one of my... uh fellow writers at Habs Eyes and the Rise who put it this way is that you have Suzuki and Caulfield and Slavkovsky and Doc include and the young four guys in the defense right now taking steps forward and showing that they are still growing as players if they came into the season and the Habs were winning games but they weren't showing any growth then you get worried I look at Cole Caulfield's start this season I look at Nick Suzuki's play I look at Kirby Doc playing well and the progress that, you know, Uri Slavkovsky is making game after game, those are important things. Yeah, we want the Canadians to get an, a high draft pick, and I'm sure they still will. The goaltending and the penalty killing are going to even out a little bit, regress to the mean, and the losses are going to come in short order there. But we're still seeing growth from young players who are the core of this team, not just right now, but also at towards the end of this rebuild here. They're not just here for right now. Guys like, you know, Jonathan Drouin and Mike Hoffman, even Brendan Gallagher, David Savard, et cetera, are here for the now and are likely not going to see the end of those dividends when the rebuild is done and over with, which, you know, can be a little bit disheartening to think about, but it's the truth. But you look at Suzuki and you look at Caulfield and you look at these young guys and the players that are developing elsewhere. And that's a lot of what this season was about was development building who is going to be here for the future who can we rely on going forward and if we weren't seeing those results okay then you start panicking about why the wins are coming and how this is happening if it's unsustainable right now Cole Caulfield could score every single game and they could lose and I don't care because he has his development going forward if he was playing like he did under Ducharme last year where nothing is working everything seems like a mess then there's an issue this year is so far different I I get it. You know, they're fifth in the Atlantic right now. They're on the fringe of the wild card spot. We've played 10% of the season, though. Things will level out. And we are going to talk about Toronto later on in the show because that is the hot button thing. But for the Montreal Canadiens, the young pieces that are on this team right now are importantly developing into even more crucial pieces. And that's the biggest takeaway from the season. I don't care if they don't get a top you know, the top overall pick. If Nick Suzuki takes that next step to truly cement himself as an elite one C in this league, Cole Caulfield becomes an actual full-fledged rocket Richard contender. You don't care that you missed out on Connor Bedard because these guys have taken such a step forward that the gap he would have filled in, in addition to them is already filled in and you can address what other needs you need to in there. And like we said, there's other prospects that are in there. There's Adam Fantilli. There's, you know, Leo Carlson and et cetera. There are going to get a good player in this draft. It might not be Connor Bedard, but if there are other guys take that step forward, it doesn't matter that it isn't Connor Bedard as much as it might have at the beginning of last year. I think I'm just going to insert my nightly Caden Gooley praise here. I think, you know, one thing that, I have noticed is that he's developing much faster than we thought. We all knew he's a stud, 
he's cementing himself in this lineup much faster and much more consistently than I thought. I thought there would be growing pains and, and, you know, those rookie inconsistencies. Again, like you said, it's only 10% of the season that they've played so far. So things could change, but I just, I think that things like that, you know, signs like that are important to pay attention to. And the other thing I wanted to say real quick about Nick Suzuki is that we've seen in the past few years, his growth, we've seen, that he has potential. One thing that I would like to see is that often we've seen in the past couple of years, either some of his offensive game is sacrificed for, for defensive game or vice versa. Like I feel like he's on a whole other level offensively this year, but I want to see a little bit more balance in the way that he plays. I don't think that, you know, it's out of the realm of possibility because he's proven that he can do both. We just want to see him do both together. So that to me, if we see at the end of this year, that he's developed in that way, to me, that's a success for Nick Suzuki. If we see that Cole Caulfield has gotten close, you know, he's not going to be, we don't know. You know what? I'm not going to say anything because I, I don't want to argue with Trevor Zegers and Trevor Zegers thinks that Cole Caulfield can score 40 goals in one year. Who am I to argue with Trevor Zegers? I, I'm, I can't. Either way, um, these are the things, either, these are the signs that we're looking for. We're looking for specific signs of growth in the players that are expected to be here long term. Um, and that to me is a winning season, even if at the end of the year they are losing, they're in a low, uh, low position, low ranking, they have a high draft pick, that's all good. In the meantime, in our next segment, we are going to present a segment by Hadi Kalakesh of uh, Lockdown NHL Prospects. Today was the first episode, the day that we're recording this, and we decided to borrow a segment from him because it discusses Shane Wright and Uri Slavkovsky, hot topic in Montreal. That's all coming up in just one moment. But first, I need to tell you about Simply Safe because there is no safe like Simply Safe. And if you've ever thought about securing your home with home security, but you've been putting it off, you'll want to listen up right now because right now, Locked On Canadians listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you really don't want to miss it. And here's why I love it. It's because I use it myself. Property crimes tend to go up over the holidays. And also, you know, in, in those January, February months where it's dark early, everything's lonely, crimes like that go up. So you really want your Simply Safe home security in time for that. They truly know what is a real threat and what is not. There's constant monitoring, there's constant emergency professional monitoring. So you know that you're protected. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I recommend. You can get 50%, 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL today. Again, this is their biggest discount of the year. You do not want to wait. Simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Now, for our first topic of the day, if you're watching this, you probably remember the big surprise of the 2022 NHL draft, Yuri Slavkovsky going first overall to the Montreal Canadiens, with Shane Wright dropping all the way to fourth overall, despite, despite most, if not all, networks uh, pinning him as the first overall pick from the start of the year. Now, how's that looking so far? Well, Slavkovsky just returned from injury. Uh, 
played in his sixth game of the season, scored a second NHL goal, uh, a one-timer from the right half wall on the power play, which was one of the only shifts he got on the power play itself. Um, he played 10 minutes and 23 seconds in that game against the St. Louis Blues, which, by the way, was a 7-4 win for the Habs. Um, so a really good performance overall. And now he's Slavkovsky's averaging about 11 minutes a night. Um, now, he still has some habits that kind of make me wonder whether he's better suited for the NHL or better off playing the season in the AHL so far. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, but meanwhile, Wright has been scratched for the third game in a row on Saturday. He averaged He's averaged six minutes and 51 seconds on the season uh, when he does get in the lineup and has one secondary assist in that time. What gives? Well, Dave Haxtell, I've watched a couple interviews. Dave Haxtell seems to be very much intent on um, developing consistent progress with Shane Wright. That's what he keeps mentioning in uh, interviews when asked about Wright and his lack of playing time. Now, he doesn't really mention the specific things that he wants Wright to improve. There aren't specific areas. Now, what that leads me to believe is that they're expecting more from him out of out of practices, and they're expecting him to elevate his entire game. And that's something that usually happens with prospects. Uh, they often lack the high-end uh, pace of play, the high-end pace pushing that you want at an NHL level. Their skill level's good, their processing's good, their understanding, their hockey sense, their vision might be good, but... Um, what's really missing in their case is just taking that entire package and elevating it to the NHL pace of play. Now, I'm guessing that's what they want from Wright, but there's no way to know because we aren't mentioning specifics on Dave Haxtell's side. Now, I talked about this with Erica L. Ayala, the wonderful host of our Locked on Kraken podcast. Uh, Wright won't necessarily be harmed too much by being scratched because um, the thing that Wright needs reps for the thing that Wright needs 18, 20, 22, 23 minutes a night for is confidence, consistency in all three zones, uh, high-end positioning, understanding of systems. All that stuff's already at an elite level with, with Shane Wright. It's not something that he's lacking. It's something that's very developed in his game. So in terms of his actual development on the ice, his improvement as a hockey player, I don't think he's going to be too harmed by the lack of ice time so far. I think what what the uh, Kraken are trying to do is find him good competition for his nine games so he can he can sort of be eased into the lineup. And then after nine games, if they're playing him against weaker teams, uh, playing him in, in favorable matchups, and he's still not panning out, then they'll probably send him down to the OHL. Um, again, his game's already mature. His hockey sense already high end. And those are the things that reps sort of uh, favor or improve with time. So I'm not too worried in Wright's case. Uh, for me, a player like Uri Slavkovsky would be much better off playing at a lower level, playing 18, 19, 20 minutes a night because him and, him, him and Shane Wright are completely different players with completely different skill sets. For me, this is why it's so important to have individualized development plans. And I talked about this with Erica as well. Um, every player is inherently different. They won't have the same objectives. They won't have the same improvements required. In Slavkovsky's case, he is a physical specimen, 6'4", 238 pounds. He's 18 years old. Um, he has a lot of skill. Um, he's a good shooter, a good passer. He's got a lot of pace. He's got a lot of strength to his game. What's lacking in his case is that high-end hockey sense that Shane Wright already has. And that, for me, is why it's so important to see him, for example, go down to Laval in the AHL and play 18, 19, 20 minutes a night, get as many reps as possible. Because right now what you're seeing with Shane Wright is he's spending maybe 10 or 15 real-time minutes in between his shifts because he's playing so little when he does get in the lineup. So what you're seeing with him is there's a lot of time between those shifts and there's not enough 
uh, consistency in his shifts to build momentum, to, to sort of go out of a shift and go into the next one with some steam running from the last one. That's what's lacking right now. Um, if Slavkovsky starts to see the same sort of treatment, then it's going to hinder his ability to develop his hockey sense a lot. Because again, hockey sense is often developed with reps. So that's why I would vouch more for Slavkovsky than for Shane Wright to go down a level and dominate and play as much as possible. Play every, you know, play a minute and a half on, on each power play. Um, play every other shift so that he ends every game with as many reps as possible to develop the little habits that will improve his game. For example, uh, hockey sense, uh, a, a good sort of, um, a good indicator of hockey sense would be scanning. Because if you're scanning, you're more likely to be making good decisions because you're creating a mental map of your surroundings. Slavkovsky doesn't have those high-end scanning habits that Shane Wright does. Wright is always analyzing. Wright is always checking his surroundings. Slavkovsky doesn't often do that. He plays the game and, and goes to where the puck is. So... For me, if you want to develop scanning habits, I don't think the NHL is the right place for that because the NHL is very instinctual. In the AHL, you have more opportunities to check your shoulders, make sure your surroundings are, are, are sort of taken into consideration when making decisions. So I think Slavkovsky would be better off in that position. Despite the fact that he's playing really well so far for the Habs, I think the best thing for his long-term development would be to spend the year in the AHL and develop his game slowly. Another thing that Slavkovsky does that sort of lets me indicate that this sort of indicates to me that he's probably better off in the minors is he crowds the short side a lot. So what that means is he's going to gravitate towards the puck, towards where the puck is at all times. And what that does is it forces his teammates to reevaluate their, their routes, to readjust and sort of adapt their play to him rather than have him play the system, play his position and, and do the right things at the right times on the ice. So that creates a lot of havoc on the on, on the side of the puck, because when he does gravitate towards that puck, he's actually dragging two other players towards him. Um, and what that does is it it sort of crowds that, that side of the ice and makes it more difficult to reach a teammate on the weak side. It makes it more difficult to break out the puck, to create transition plays, um, passing plays in transition that will, will be sort of connective and be to more offensive chances. Um, now, so far, he's gotten away with it uh, because he plays with um, a couple guys that are, you know, very solid in terms of finding open ice and 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 playing that dump and chase style. So they don't have a problem dumping the puck in and creating rushes. He's played with Michael Pizzetta, with Jake Evans, um, played a couple shifts with the old Armia. So he's getting reps in with players that are sort of used to that. But if he wants to become a high-end top six player... He needs to stop crowding the short side. And I think the best place for him to learn that is where he can make mistakes and not have it affect the team, not have it affect his ice time. Um, and in a situation where there's not as much pressure as in the NHL. And I think that is um, what he needs right now. Um, meanwhile, Shane Wright, again, needs the reps for the confidence and that's it. It's not a matter of developing his game. He's already pretty solid in that sense. Um, so they're two different players with two different objectives. For me, that's why I'd rather see Wright in the NHL than Slavkovsky. All right, we have talked prospects. We have allowed Hattie to have his say. And now it is time to talk Toronto Maple Leaf, Scott. Okay, so... <laughs> I... I want to preface this by saying that, yes, the absolute panic in the Leafs fandom is hilarious to watch from the outside. 
And also, it's almost a bit sad because I look at what Toronto's doing this year and it's just limp. It's impotent. It, you know, they, it, they there's no fight in the game. Toronto went up 3-1 against Anaheim. The worst team in the NHL this year. It was 3-1. The worst team in the NHL. And every single person watching went, they're not going to hold on to it. And then they didn't. They should have lost in regulation. The 4-3 goal was overturned on a very weird uh, goaltender interference call because no one knows what goaltender interference is. They went to overtime. Mitch Marner gets robbed on the goal line. And after the next faceoff, Anaheim goes down the ice and scores. It's not like, what do you even say? You know, season opener in Montreal, they tie it late after the Habs, you know, had the go-ahead goal from Sean Monaghan and give up the game winner with 18 seconds left. Okay, they bounced back, won a couple games. Then they lost to Arizona and didn't play well and lost to Arizona. They lost to the Sharks. Sorry, JD. We both know the Sharks are not a great team. Here. Lost to LA and then lost to Anaheim. They've lost to four teams in recent memory who were expected to be in the race for Connor Bedard. Something's just rotten. Christian Dvorak had more goals against the St. Louis Blues than Austin Matthews has on the season. Cole Caulfield is outscoring Austin Matthews this season. Something's never changed. Just look at the USNTDP. But... I, I I don't think they need to blow everything up, but something just isn't right. You know, was Jason Spezza the glue holding this entire Leafs team together with his weird little giggle and everything? I I don't know if it's Sheldon Keefe. I, no, that's a lie. I do not think Sheldon Keefe is a great coach. I think he's had a lot of great players that cover for his flaws. And eventually coaches just run out of real estate where players, you, they tune them out. The system stops working. I I don't know what to make of Toronto this year because I feel, still feel like they're going to turn around in November and this is all going to be forgotten. But I'm wondering if it's gotten bad enough that they go, we got to do something. Like Mitch Marner's publicly like fighting with his coach multiple times since the start of the season. Austin Matthews isn't scoring. Like they can't they can't buy anything. And the minute one thing goes wrong for them, everything falls apart. It looks like last year's halves. When things go wrong, they go wrong spectacularly. It's not, ah, one goal went in. We'll be okay. It's one goal goes in, two goals goes in, three goals go in. Now we're losing to a lottery team. It's admittedly very funny to watch from the outside, but like, I, I don't know. Like, you can't lose in the first round if you don't make the playoffs, at least, I guess. Like, maybe that's the whole idea is they don't want to lose in the first round. So they refuse, they're refusing to make the playoffs. I look at this team and I remember specifically, Scott, not just you, not just me, our guests as well last year. We're talking about Mark Bergevin's contract situation being the big question mark hanging over the season. Uh, and there was this, you know, like, we don't know if he's coming back or not. Like he, he said that he wasn't going to, and so that was a big, you know, like, well, we're, what direction is this team going into if he's not coming back? And then he ended up getting fired, which made the whole thing moot. But that feels like the Kyle Dubas situation, isn't it? Like Brendan Shanahan was like, this is not a conversation we're going to have until, until we see what, how the season goes. Right. Essentially that that's not exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing. 
Uh, same thing with Sheldon Keefe, right? You're looking at this team and it's like that uncertainty is hanging over their head. And if you have even one dissatisfied player, which it looks like you have multiple at this point, like the dysfunction just kind of breeds itself. There was an absence of leadership in the Montreal Canadiens locker room that I don't necessarily think is the case in the Toronto Maple Leafs locker room, unless, you know, Jason Spezza was really the glue that was holding them together. Like it's eerily similar how, how, like parallel these paths have been, even though, uh, like uh, objectively speaking, Toronto is a much more talented team than last year's Habs. Like, I mean, they're more talented than this year's Habs, but the comparison between this year's Habs and last year's Habs is, is also, uh, it, it's a vast sort of discrepancy. So I think that something something's not right with them, and I don't think that it's player skill. I really, really don't. I think, uh, you know, Steve Dangle likes to say this team is haunted every time they do something disappointing, which, again, they're doing. It's haunted. It's a haunted team. And that it's I don't believe in curses, but I believe in I believe in bad vibes. (laughs) Um, That's the most scientific way I can put it. The absence of leadership, dissatisfaction, dysfunction in the locker room. It's just bad vibes all around. And a bad coach is bad vibes, right? So I don't know if Sheldon Keefe... I don't think Sheldon Keefe is a terrible coach. I just think he's kind of eh. And he's had he's, a lot of good he's, players. He's a mid-coach with a very talented roster. He was in the AHL as well. And that's the thing is, like, the whole Dubas contract thing it does reek of the whole Bergevin situation. Because guess what? That's just hanging over everything now. You're wondering, is this guy going to be here? Because if you're Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas gets fired, you're not coming back. And I don't think that Kyle Dubas is the problem, but at a certain point here, he's kind of boxed himself in. You know, he had to pay Matthews. He paid Nylander. Nylander's paid extremely fairly for what he does. Mitch Marner is an incredibly talented player. He's the most expensive complimentary piece in the NHL. He's paid a lot. He basically held a gun to Kyle Dubas's head in that whole situation. And Dubas basically gave him what he wanted. And his repayment has been, here's a bunch of regular season highlights. When it counts, you can't find me anywhere. John Tavares is a very good player, having a great season so far. But you look at it now, you have so much money dedicated to four players. And now, and you haven't hit on your draft picks. Nick Robertson, good. Rasmus Sandin, good. Timothy Lilligren, Things out. Matthew Nyes looks very good. Rodiana Mirov is, you know, an uh, an outside case there. You know, he got, you know, lymphoma. You can't do anything about that. But they haven't hit on other picks to help make their team better. You look at the Canadians right now. Look at who's contributing to the lineup. Undrafted free agent. Third or fourth round pick in Jordan Harris. Yes, Cole Caulfield's there. Jake Evans is a seventh round pick playing center. Jonathan Kovacevic was picked by the Jets, so we can't really claim that. They found value elsewhere in the draft to now promote up to the NHL. And Toronto, it's boom or bust. They either hit or they don't. You know, we keep waiting for Nick Robertson to take that step, and he hasn't. Has he been put in a position to succeed? No. Sheldon Keefe against the Kings played him six and a half total minutes. What's the point of calling him up in that case? I I don't know. He had a great game against the Stars where he won that game for them. And then the next game, 
benched basically the entire time playing out of the line with Wayne Simmons. And I love Wayne Simmons. He's a great guy. He can't keep up with Nick Robertson. What are you doing? It It's confounding that it's just like they're rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. That's drowning in a kiddie pool. Stop. The, the overreaction seems to be too much that it's like, you know, what needs to be done. Dennis Mulgan went from top six to a healthy scratch. I don't understand what they're doing. And it feels like everyone take a deep breath and do what you do best. Go play fun hockey. Everyone's panicked. And the thing is, they're probably going to go on like a seven game winning streak now that we've talked about this and everyone's going to forget about this. And that's fine. But it's just so strange watching Toronto not be markedly worse than last year in terms of counting stats and advanced metrics. Are they worse in categories? Yes. Are they so bad that they should be losing games like this? No. Everything's up here and every everything becomes a mental battle with them. And it's, again, very funny to watch as a neutral outside observer and fan. We're not of, neutral, Scott. Look, I'm trying to not get us yelled at in the comments as best I can. So as, <laughs> an, outside, as an outside observer, as a Canadians <laughs> podcast host and fan, it's very funny to watch. <laughs> But you like, to see it, don't you? It, it doesn't need to be happening. Like everything and that's feels what so makes dramatic. It so much funnier is that like it's not like there's no earthly reason why they should be losing this many games. And they should not have lost to the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> one six in one thirty second in the NHL on a back to back, and you blew it. It's not like you lost out of the gate. You took the lead and then blew it. You hate to see it. I don't. I feel weird. <laughs> I was not. I, I'm trying to be nice, but also I don't know. Like I said, they're going to go on like a seven-game winning streak now that we've done this. But if they lose another game or two, you got to do something. They're going to they, fire Sheldon Keefe. They should. I don't think Barry Trotz is going to fix what they need. The defensive part hasn't been the issue. Justin Hall has been the issue, but you know that. That's Sheldon Keefe playing him. I don't know. I They're confounding. I, a lot of it comes from they've just tuned out Sheldon Keefe and whatever his system is at this point. They'll, they'll get right eventually. They'll make the playoffs and probably lose in round one again. But history loves to repeat itself. Here's the thing, Leafs fans. If this rant writes their ship, if it turns them around, they go on that seven-game winning streak Scott was send talking about. Send me coffee about. crisp. You get no, to wait, send me coffee wait. crisp. Hold on. No, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> uh, if they win the cup, you have to be nice to us for five minutes. I'll accept four. But you have to not bully Scott for five minutes. Like, that's what I'm asking of you. I know it's going to be really, really, really hard. You can even just ignore my existence and be only nice to Scott. Just if you don't bully us for, like, a few minutes... Like, that's all we're asking of you because you seem to be incapable of allowing either of us or any Habs fan on the internet to exist without turning into insane, bullying, mad. I, I don't even know what to call you because I can't say it on this podcast. We are a kid-friendly <laughs> show. But that should be our reward is you leave us alone. You have a normal one. For once, you have a normal one. That's what we want. If this rant results in good things for the Leafs, have a normal one just for us, just for five minutes. That's all we ask. As for the Habs fans who are listening to this, I know it's satisfying to watch and, and, and laugh at the Leafs. I want to remind everybody once again to check out Locked on NHL Prospects. Hadi will be covering all hockey NHL prospects, but there's chances that 
you know, there's more Habs talk that are going to come up. Like there's some players that I want to talk to him about. So we will have Hattie on the show, but do check out that podcast. We're very excited that he's joined our family. Um, and also don't forget to check us out. So if you want to listen to our next episode, if you want to, you know, make sure that you don't miss an episode, subscribe to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube and hit that bell. So you get notifications when we do go uh, either live or post a new episode. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla. You can follow me on Twitter at the active stick. Send us emails at locktimecanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave questions in the YouTube comments. Thank you so much for all the mailback questions we've already received. We will be, we're going to have a packed mailbag this week because you guys are already on top of mailbag questions. Thank you so, so, so much. We will talk to you tomorrow.